Hello and welcome back to the Greenwood and Muller show. It's our first Newcastle player of 2021. It is, of course, Brian Kerr. And Sam, Brian Kerr played in Newcastle's one of Newcastle's best ever seasons in the Premier League, finished third in the 2002-03 season. That's where Brian played most of his uh, games for Newcastle um, under the great late Savoy Robson. And it was a fantastic conversation we've just had with him. Yeah, this is kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to get um, Brian on because maybe he's not the most obvious choice that you would that you would choose. Um, but it was an iconic season, and he so Bobby put the faith into him to start against Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League. Now you don't do that if you're a mug, oh yeah, and he was getting capped by Scotland whilst he was captain in Newcastle Reserve. So he's he's always a player that's kind of interested me, and I kind of followed him throughout his career in Scotland. And now he's coaching and whatnot, and previously worked alongside Gary Caldwell, another one of that kind of class of that Newcastle youth reserve team. So yeah, really really interesting to talk to him. Obviously, everyone loves a Sir Bobby story, don't they? Yeah, so Ray Robson is obviously the first manager that I knew of at Newcastle. Um, and Brian Kerr played a little part in that season. It was interesting to talk about that season in particular. It was the players that he had around him. Obviously, the central midfielder options in particular had likes of Gary Speed, God rest his soul, in, in that position. And it was great to get an insight of how much he learned from those experienced pros, what it was like with Shearer, and etc. So it was a fascinating conversation. Um but Sam, it's just a shame when you look at where Newcastle are that we could have actually done with players like Brian and who was just coming through and showed a bit of passion, really. Yeah, um, knew what it meant to to pull on that black and white shirt. Um, thing is, as well, Bobby always used to give youth a chance. Always used to give youth a chance. You look at the the players he he kind of gave opportunities to. Brian was one of them, and I've got. Um, Stevie Caldwell, who we've had on previously as well, was another. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting and could be a coach to keep an eye out as he makes his way through the game. Who knows, he might even be a Newcastle coach in the future. <laughs> hmm. um, well, obviously, we have to keep an eye on his career. Another thing that you should keep an eye on is BF52, our main sponsors of the Green and Mullen show. That was BF52. a horrendous link. <laughs> But go with it. I'm not. We're keeping it in. So, <laughs> do you know what it is? In the last intro that we'd done with uh, Paul Nicholson, he tried to cut in a particular link, and you know, look, you saw what happened, or you listened to what happened. Now he's doing exactly the same thing again with Beer Fifty Two. So I'm a proud Beer Fifty Two man, and you can get eight cans of five ninety five of any beer IPS lager, whatever tickles you fancy. Um, but. Yeah, massive thanks to Beer 52, especially in the tough times we're facing in 2021. Hopefully there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but Sam, I think the last thing we should mention about Brian Kerr is that, you know, we would love to be in the same position as him. If we could have played a number of, a, a few games for Newcastle, that would have definitely ticked a lot of boxes as, in terms of our childhood. And he's managed to do that. Ooh, so, yeah. you know, the, the stories he must have, or the stories that he's told and, other stories that he probably keeps to himself um, are probably legendary and almost in some in some aspects. Yeah, um, a real iconic time for Newcastle United. It was the 
almost the second coming of the entertainers. It was a really inspirational team we had around that time with a obviously really inspirational manager. So I, he probably counts himself quite lucky that he was there when he was. But um, even if it didn't turn out the way he was hoping, but still, it would have been an amazing time to be at Newcastle United then. It was an amazing time then. And I'm sure it was an amazing time when we spoke to Brian Kerr. And that is the 25th episode of the Greenwood and Milner show. And it is with the former Newcastle midfielder, Brian Kerr. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Milner show here on Newcastle Fans TV. We had Paul Nicholson last week, and this week we have a Newcastle player who memorably played in the 2002-03 season for the majority of his time at Newcastle under the late Sir Bobby Robson, and he's here to give us an insight on what that was all about. It is former Newcastle Motherwell midfielder Brian Kerr. Welcome to the show, Brian. Uh, Sam, Newcastle in 2002-03 season is just probably one of Newcastle's best seasons in recent oh, time, yeah. and there's some fantastic uh, matches that Brian was involved with. Yeah, I mean, not many players can say they've pulled on that black and white shirt in the Champions League, starting at St. James's Park against a team like Leverkusen, can they? So, uh, yeah, it's great to have Brian here, and I'm, I'm a sucker for Sir Bobby Robson stories. So, hopefully you've got a few, Brian. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, it was, it was a bit surreal, actually, how it started. I know I did one or two previous kind of um, couple-minute or five-minute run-outs, uh, when the manager was under under Rudhill. Um but when Bobby came in and, and was willing to give opportunities to younger boys, you know, it felt like it could be a chance here. But I think looking back on it now and you look at the, the quality of that squad at that time, um and you maybe look at some squads nowadays, you know, it's it was a it was a real good side with, with unbelievable talent and it, it wasn't easy and I actually kinda of half wished that I'd played ten years later and I might have a wee bit of chances of more game time. So. <laughs> I think you would have definitely started most games in the, about ten years later to be honest with you. Uh, well I'd like to think so. But I think um, even I mean the story for me actually getting my, my film debut was, was actually a bit weird because it was I did make my debut in the first, or my film debut on the first of January and we were actually sent home as the younger players for, for Christmas and New Year. The first team were staying and, and they had games to play as they always have quite a lot of games. Um, and I was back home for the for the two or three weeks um, time that the younger players or reserve stroke your team had been given off, um, and just I think it was about the twenty eighth had been given a phone call to say there's been a few injuries and, and stuff, and they were looking for to you know to add numbers to the squad. Went down there and and trained for a couple of days, and um, I remember John Carver pulled me aside and saying, "By the way, prepare to start on uh, the New Year's Day game against Liverpool." And I was like, all right, thinking, oh, <laughs> did you see this coming? If you sit in the house enjoying Christmas with the family, he potentially starting. You know, I thought I was maybe going down there as a as a squad member, as potentially a sort of 17th, 18th man. And, and, and he's then saying to me, you know, you may be starting. Eventually, it did work out that, you know, I did start that game. And it was it was unbelievable how it went from sitting up in Christmas down at the family to, to making your debut at St. James's Park in front of, you know, 40 or 50,000 or whatever. So. Yeah, 100%. It was gonna, I was going to say I was, before the, that Liverpool game, um, how did the actual interest in Newcastle come along? Because obviously you were quite a young lad anyway, Brian, at that point. And was there other teams interested in, say, Scotland or south of the border? What, where was your uh, priorities about going to a football team? Was it about getting playing time, developing, or did you just want to go to the best club that you thought was best for you? No, I'd, I'd been playing up here with, with a few clubs. I mean, in Scotland at the time, there was almost 20 to 30 boys that moved around 
the top ten clubs in Scotland. So you trained on a sort of Monday we we Rangers, a Tuesday we Celtic, a Wednesday we Hibs, a Thursday we Hearts, and it's just how it was then. Um, and you look at it now, and there's hundreds and hundreds of players at every age group. You know, I think then they just made sure that the top twenty to thirty players, everybody kind of tried to get them in, and that was how it, that was how it went. So. That was that was how we were playing. We actually played a game when I was playing with Rangers against Newcastle in a friendly um, up here, and Newcastle came up. We drew to each, and actually at that time I was playing more as a striker, and I scored two goals. And the, and the scout had asked me to, to come down and, and see what things were. And I think at the time I was a bit not sure because moving away, and I was I was only at the time fourteen and a half, fifteen maybe, and they asked me to come down and do some training with the, with the youth team and stuff. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was right. Um, I had to think about it. They asked us to go down to a Monday night match against West Ham just to, to see the place, see the stadium. And I think the first time I stepped foot in the stadium, I knew if Newcastle wanted to sign me, I wanted to be here because um, it wasn't that far from home. Um, the, the welcome you received and, and how much um, everybody you know gave you that welcome and reception. The, the stadium was amazing. The support was amazing. You know, the atmosphere was unbelievable. I remember actually my dad went and my brother was ball boy at the game. They made him ball boy. And it's just small things that make a big difference. But, you know, they, they'll all speak about that, that uh, day till now. It's, it's, it's fantastic insight, isn't it, Sam? Just little things like that. As Brian's mentioned about his brother being the ball boy against West Ham. I think we won the game 4-0 that day. And it's just... it's. Actually, I don't know if it was that. No, it wouldn't have been. It would have been a lot earlier. Actually, I'm thinking of a different game. I'm thinking of the season that Brian was yeah, actually, actually playing. Can't, I can't even remember. I'm sure they won because, it, the, as I say, like the place was buzzing and everybody loved it, and, <laughs> and it was just a, an experience that I think for all days, well, you know, you continue to remember. Yeah, hundred percent. But like I say, Sam, you know, to just the little things make a massive difference when deciding to choose a club. And it, it's yeah, Brian. I mean, I'm not so sure the uh, the current regime would put little touches together like that to uh, to encourage new signings. But um, it's nice to know that <laughs> it was like that once upon a time. Um, Brian, did the Caldwells have any influence on you? Obviously, fellow Scots and similar ages, and they were kind of making their way through the game as well. Did did you know of them before you joined Newcastle, or did you get yeah, to know? I briefly knew both Stevie and Guy. Um, Guy more my age, Stevie the year above, and, and it was probably more so um, Scotland international trials and stuff for schoolboy level. And that uh, Stevie was playing the year above, so I played alongside him. I had trialed with the year that he actually got into the schoolboy team, and and myself and Sally Gary just missed out that year, and then we both then became the sort of victory shield team the following year. So yeah, there was there was already a relationship there, um, not quite as as close as we are now because obviously we lived together and stayed together and trained and played together for a number of years now and still very close now so but at the time yeah they, they were a they were a part of that and I think at the time there was a lot of sort of Scottish lads going down at the younger age groups um, and then even in the first team or roundabout there as the years went on you know there tended to be and Tommy Craig and Tommy Burns and stuff and Alan Irvin were also there as coaches round about that time as well so they were all guys that sort of influenced them going forward yeah, I was just going to say, we've had Stephen on before and he he loved his time at Newcastle, loved his time in the North East in general and he couldn't say anything more uh, like how proud he was to play for Newcastle in particular. But um, we'll touch about a bit more about yourself now. We've, we've talked about the Colorado's too, too much now. Um, <laughs> obviously, that 2002-03 season that you've mentioned, obviously you, you had a couple of subs appearances, probably just a waste of a bit of time um, to get the, the wins for Newcastle. But that Liverpool game, and you're talking about 
that moment when you get told that you're going to be starting against a team like Liverpool as well, a team that we're battling for Champions League with, and it just seems like a million miles away with now. What was the actual advice that Sir Bobby gave you and John Carver gave you going into that game? And do you, still, do you use that with your coaching now? Yeah, I think, first of all, the advice they gave me was keep it simple, enjoy the game, and, you know, take it in and don't kind of let it pass you by as such. Um, and it's something that, you know, you definitely want to do is that although you're kind of, when you're given that and you go out in front of the 50 or 60,000, all you're thinking about is don't make a mistake here. Don't make a big mistake because you don't want to let these guys down. Um, and, and that is kind of, it's something that really sticks is that Although when you go on and the whistle goes, it totally, you know, the supporters, <laughs> believe it or not, with the amount of there and the noise they do make it, St James's Park, it kind of just goes out of your head and you just go on with the game. And I think the first five, ten minutes is massive just to get that first touch of the ball, do something that kind of means anything in the game. And then when you get that and, you you know, you relax, then you do, you just get into enjoying the game and, and, and working on it and forget about everything else that's going on. And, you know, thankfully that night we did get the win, get the result and, you know, I did for pretty well um, for, for it being my first start and a bit and young at the time um, it, was, it was a decent enough performance and, and a one-nil victory always made it that little bit sweeter as well It's easier when you've got Laura Bear scoring a free kick very early on and must relax <laughs> you a little bit <laughs> uh, I think that relaxed everybody because as you say you know, everybody's, everybody's fine at that time and that season for, for possession and we did feel that when you looked around the dressing room and the squad you felt that you know, there's, there's a real chance here something could happen I mean, previously when I, when I had came down and it was it was a Kevin Keegan era and, and that's when they were really flying and, and, and I remember going to the 5-1 Man United game, I remember seeing the Barcelona game. So, you know, you see them and you think, that's what they were like. We want to be part of something that, you know, they almost achieved. And in that year we actually, you know, we never probably quite came as close to them, but, but we gave it a good run for our money. 100%. Sam, the central midfield option, we had a lot of central midfield options at Newcastle and a lot of good central midfield options at that time. And I think one person that we speak about in particular about the time that really galvanised the whole squad is the late Gary Speed. Now, Gary obviously is synonymous with Newcastle with playing, playing well, because we since since probably since the uh, last few years, I think that's something that we're actually lacking. There's something like a Gary or a Brian. Um, I think, you know, for me personally, Sam, I don't know about yourself, but yeah. maybe a Gary Speeds figure now would be absolutely brilliant to have at Newcastle. Considering the shape of our midfield this season, yeah, a Gary Speed in there would uh, would definitely not go amiss. Um, just how big an influence was playing alongside the likes of I mean, that that little clique in the in the corner of that dressing room, Gary Speed, Shearer, Shea Given, Steve Harper, just just how were they an influence on you at all with you with the way you played, Brian? Yeah, definitely. I think that they've got to be an influence in anybody that ever that ever came close to them, trained them, or, or got to know these guys because you know the way they held themselves, the way they done everything, the way they trained, the way they the way they loved away for the for the pitch. You know, you very rarely ever seen any stories about Gary Speed or or, or Alan Shearer out with the football game. Uh, whereas there's others now that seem to be it's a wee bit easier to get a story from you know someone else they're up to than, other than what they do in the pitch and I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about these guys their influence what they've done how they trained their commitment to everything that you know that they've done at Newcastle was amazing and I think they just as you say they complemented each other but they also complemented them they also came in you weren't in the other corner of the dressing room then with Bramble Dyer Bellamy <laughs> 
I think it was somewhere in between. I think it was not quite there, but not quite that side. So we found a little, a little gap in between. I think maybe, I think maybe we could look at the Stevie Caldwell, Alan Hughes, Andy Griffin, that type of area. So we were, we were just somewhere in between. It's not a bad little group to have. We spoken to Andy as well recently, and he was talking about that season, and he said it was just a fantastic season, and it, it you had to basically, you had to do the bare minimum just to get a little bit of a nod of approval at that football club at the time and sometimes even that wasn't enough when you in the in the big games and do you, do you always did you feel that added pressure when you first when you first come in because it must be daunting to say the least anyway it is and, and like i said there you know you want to enjoy the game you want to do well at the same time you're constantly looking over your shoulder because although you've been given that little opportunity and and as you get that wee bit older you start getting frustrated you want more you want more game time you enjoy the experience but you know 30 minutes isn't enough or or playing one game and out the next game isn't enough. You just want to be a player. And unfortunately, as we spoke about, you know, in a great way for Newcastle, but for, unfortunately for us as younger players, when you've got Noberto Solano, Gary Speed, uh, Kieran Dyer, Jermaine Janis, Lauren Robert, all in the midfield area, you know, just to name a few, then how how difficult is that to try and, you know, move them out and take the position and, and, and sort of keep it there for, for a long period of time? It's never easy to try to keep the guys down. On, I mean, um, with with Sababi, I was just thinking that um, when we had Stevie Caldwell on a couple of months ago, um, we referenced a clip I'd put on our Twitter page a while ago of um, Sababi giving a team talk before the Man City home game, you know, 203, just after we got beat by Wolves in the FA Cup. And you you are pictured in, in there. Um, what do you remember from Bobby Robson's team talks? Because... Stevie Caldwell says sometimes they could go on a bit, but sometimes they were like really inspirational. And how does um, how do they influence you now as a as a coach? No, they were they were, they were um, experienced to, to say the least. I think anybody that's been in one, you know, there's there's been funny parts. There's been parts where you know we've all heard the stories where he's got a few names wrong, and 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 the boys nobody really had the, the sort of thing they say to him. Gaffer, that's the wrong name you're using there. So we just we just went with it and we had a little chuckle after it and stuff. But as you said, like I think anybody that, that came to Newcastle and worked under Bobby, Bobby Robson, you just feel right away you've got some kind of close relationship with the guy. Whether you know, I've heard a few people say he seems like a sort of grandfather figure to a lot and you know, what he'd done, it was unbelievable. He got the the biggest and best players and, and players like Kieran Dyer who came with a real Unbelievable talent, but we reel off the field sort of situations along with Rambo and others and Craig Bellamy, and and even he could get them to really work for him and do what they've done on the pitch for him. And I think that in itself, you know, means a lot to what kind of guy is because they weren't easy guys to, to manage, and, and they would do the first to tell you that. But what he managed to get out of them was unbelievable. And even after that, they've went away, and some of them have went away and still had serious problems. But during the time at Newcastle, a lot of it was kept in sort of on the lowdown because of how well he managed them and, and made sure that come a Saturday they were prepared to play for him. And, you know, as I say, his team talks, inspirational, some short and snappish, some went off in stories about his his life and some of the experience, but you're thinking, Gaffer, we've got a game in an hour, we need to try and get out and get sorted, but he's taught him. And that's just how he was. You know, he just loved the game and, and his enthusiasm and love for the game. Any any time he spoke to him, you could, you know, could feel it from And it was sense. And, Obviously, you made a few more starting appearances against Tottenham, which obviously Newcastle ended up winning 1-0. Leeds 3-0 at Elm Road. Did you feel comfortable 
after a few more starts in the Premier League in particular, going, well, actually, I can handle myself against some of the best players here in, this, in the Premier League. I've been given a bit of an opportunity. I'm trying to grasp it. And I haven't lost when I've been playing. I must be doing yeah. something, right? Yeah, I know. Actually, my, my record when I started wasn't too bad. I don't, I'm not 100% sure if it lost any. I think we really lost one at Everton. Might have been. Yeah, just the but, one. Um, um, no, but it was it was good. I did. I started to feel comfortable and it. Started to feel like you know it was it was going very well and, and we were winning games, which which always makes it kind of easier. If you're winning games, then um, you seem to tend to find yourself staying in a wee bit longer than than you know you maybe other times. And you're keeping, as I said, guys like Roberto Solano out of the team. Then you're obviously doing something right. Um, in fact, I remember the game that. That was against Chelsea at St James's Park. That was a game that I was supposed to play. Actually, I think it was just after Leverkusen or possibly a game or two after it. I was supposed to play, and I was in the starting team and, and fell not well on the Friday night. And um, no Pedro Solano come back in, and, and, and like I said, with that kind of quality, um, he's not got to leave his position up too too easily. And and I then found it pretty difficult to get back in. It must be tough, but like. I, I look. I remember the. I can remember that Leeds game at Ellen Road in particular. Like we absolutely demolished Leeds that day, three uh, nil, and that was Newcastle as Peter its powers then. And to play a part, it doesn't matter how much of a part you played there, Brian. Not that, that, that we, it, we could have done with you at Ellen Road last month instead of getting beat five two. <laughs> I think. I think that season we just felt like we, you know you could win any game, and it, and it genuinely didn't really matter. Um, Certainly to us, I mean, it might have mattered to Alan Shearer and stuff who was playing with the team. They might have looked around and gone, oh, he's playing again. But to, to us as young boys, you know, it could have been anybody. That, over the course of that season, there was a lot of players played. There was some younger players got opportunities. You know, there was there was chances to obviously myself. I'm not 100% if Jamie McLean played that season. Uh, he probably did. Uh, Stevie Caldwell did. Andy Griffin, I'm sure, are you. So there was a, quite a lot of sort of mixture of youth and, and experience within the squad. And, I think Bobby, like I said before, you know, wasn't shy in giving giving opportunities to younger ones and, and leaving big big names in the bench. Hundred percent. The Champions League though is the pinnacle of any player and to play some big, big games, Brian. The the Bayern Leverkusen one obviously started and at home. We needed the win. There's no two ways about it. We needed that win because obviously Barcelona and Milan, they're not bad. Um what was was there any was there actual any pressure on Newcastle actually getting past that stage? Because obviously, if you look at the group there, you probably say Newcastle are either third or fourth favourites, depending on how the bookies would have looked at it at the time. So the, the two Barcelona and Milan, obviously two teams, you're thinking, well, if we can nick a couple of points off them and then see how the results go against them against each other, Newcastle could sneak the way through. Did you did you feel ever feel confident that Newcastle could get past that stage after that by Leverkusen win? Yeah, I, I, I did, to be fair. I really, and I think uh, at the time when you're running games, you just feel you could beat anybody, and it doesn't matter who comes your way. Like we touched on a wee bit earlier there when, when I'd watched that, that Barcelona game when, when Newcastle beat them, you know, back in the day. Um, it was, you actually felt at that time, do you know what, we, we could on our day beat anybody. And when you've got a striker like Alan Shearer playing, then <laughs> why not? Why can you not beat anybody? It's actually a weird one because I remember that day very, very well. Um, didn't know I was starting the game hadn't really done much in terms of shape and, and say like this is the team so um, and we knew how much it meant to the to the club so we thought me, I remember me and Stevie sitting saying oh, just love to get on the bench tonight if we could get on the bench that would be amazing and and I always remember Bobby Robson's team talks was the big A4 flip chart um, he would have a blank piece in the front and underneath that front page would be the starting team so 
if you can remember them with a marker, you can always kind of see just underneath what's there. <laughs> so I remember going in and, and that would be sitting where the, where the meeting would be had. We'd be getting lunch a wee bit further back and then we'd go and sit in the seats maybe 20 minutes before either wanted to speak because you always tried to get a wee, a wee glimpse to see if you could see your name under that sheet. Um, so I remember looking for the subs part and thinking, oh, can I, I can't see my name because you could always see Care was always very small and it was either Care or Dyer was the ones and, and I kept looking thinking, nah, it's not there. It's not on the bench. I don't think I'm on the bench. And... Um, I remember him flitting over the chat and looking, saying, I'm on the bench. And then I looked up and thought, shit, I'm starting. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Steve had done the same. And it was like, I thought, I can't believe he's given us this kind of um, responsibility for you know for, for what was up for grabs in, in the club. And, and again, that shows the man he was. Uh, he felt we were doing not a bad job when we were given the opportunities. And, and for a massive game for the club, he decided to throw us both into a game of that, that size. Yeah, I remember that game really well. I know obviously Shearer got the headlines as he always does because he he got the goals. But it was a great team performance, and Leverkusen were no mugs. They had, I remember uh, Oliver Nerville, Bash Turk, and they had Hans Jörg Butt in goal. They're proper players. Um, was that game that in the Champions League was that the highlight of your career, or was it uh, more pulling on the Scotland shirt? No, I think. I think pulling on the Scotland shot was an amazing experience. Uh, you can never do enough. Everybody wants to do it. But I think just because he started in a, in a Champions League match that meant so much and was such a big thing for the club, you know, it wasn't just a, ah, listen, it's just a game. We're already qualified or we're already out. Have a go at it. You know, it meant so much for everybody. And, and to be given that responsibility, as I said, and, and be given a chance like that was, was unbelievable. And I think it's that's one of the kind of real highlights that, that you never forget. Um, and, and probably for me, um, I, I would almost say in, in a Newcastle first team shot that was probably my best per, performance as well so I think that made it that little bit extra special as well and as you say I think Leverkusen maybe the year before or two years before had been in the Champions League final I'm sure when, when they were yeah. up here so, so they, they, were, you know, they were a big side at the time yeah, so you can put that on your CV. Be a Champions League runner-up. I wouldn't put that on my CV. I have to be honest. Uh, but do you, do you kind of almost regret a little bit, Brian, that you weren't given more opportunities because you've shown yourself that let's just be honest, only one defeat in the games that you did start for Newcastle. Do you think that you warranted more starts? I know you talk about the players that you're up against, but you know, I know Newcastle were good, but surely like more cup games, more Premier League games, especially in a calendar like we had that season. We're playing Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, Premier League. You know, it was such a congested season. You look at, say, a season mm-hmm. like today, where it seems to be games every three days. It seemed like that for Newcastle for the majority of the season anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't regret, you know, what anything happened to Newcastle. I think I think I probably regret some of my own decisions. Um, as I said there um, earlier, I started getting a wee bit desperate for game time. I was wanting to start becoming a first-team regular and a first-team player. And, and I then pushed that too much probably at the time because I went and loaned to Coventry um, a couple of times and probably at the time the hindsight looking back I should have stayed and you know and bided my time and, and hopefully another opportunity came up but I just it was just desperate to play I think you get to that stage after you've had a tasty first team football and, and you've played in front of big crowds and Saturday at three o'clock so all that matters sitting in the stand again or, or maybe even on the bench and get a couple of minutes then doesn't give you that you know what you're looking for you know, you strive for that next part and, you know, the next stage, the next level and, and that becomes a wee bit like you almost feel subdued that you're only getting two minutes here and you're maybe not in the squad this week. Um, and, then, and then you you start to see, 
amazing young talent like Jermaine Jennings coming in and, and Hugo Viana and you know there's millions of pounds spent and, and some other younger players and you start to go you know am I going to really get the opportunities that I want here um, if they're willing to go and sign in and that should be the case you know clubs like Newcastle uh, supporters will always demand big signings and big names and, and it should really have been looking back on it what I should have done is took the challenge head on and, and said that's fine you know you bring an £8 million player in then I'll go and battle against that um, but your mentality changes. You're a young kid. You make decisions, and and probably at the time, you know, I'd have liked to, you know, if I'd have given the the chance again, sorry, I would, I'd have made a different decision, and that would have been to stay and battle away, and and hopefully make sure that I got another opportunity. Hundred percent. And everyone talks about that squad, that team, that manager, right? Because Newcastle haven't won a trophy in a long time, and obviously we had Keegan and the entertainers. Dagweish got us a second in the league and an FA Cup final. Rude Hullet, of course, an FA Cup final. How? close was that squad from achieving a trophy, Brian, because we got to a semi-final of the UEFA Cup the following season, you know, League Cup we did okay, and FA Cup went obviously a couple of semi-finals in a final in that sort of period the Premier League would finish fourth and third what were we, What do you think we were missing? It's a difficult one, I think um, I think certainly attacking wise it was one of, you know, one of the most exciting teams um, when you've got Dyer and Bellamy and and Shearer and all these guys running forward and obviously it doesn't matter who's running forward and Shearer's in the box you've always got a chance of scoring goals but when you've got all these guys that can create things Solano, Robert, you know attacking wise I don't think there's a doubt that it was you know a very exciting squad you know without being harsh defensively I don't think Newcastle over the years have ever really been great you know or, or amazing there's obviously some decent players but there's never been that real solid back four unit where you could say you know you can keep counting that and relying that there's been great individuals there's been some good um back fours at times but they've never had a real run over us a couple of seasons where you could say you know that back four was like solid and i mean thinking of teams like arsenal adams yeah. campbell dixon you know and ashley cole as they come through they were teams that of defenses that went on for two three four five years or, or even longer um, I don't think Newcastle's ever had that and that's probably been the downfall is they've never really had that base to work from they've always had attacking flair exciting options, they had it at Keegan era and still at the back they, they, they seem to lose goals and over the time that's always probably been the downfall a wee bit I think yeah. Sam, when you look at, look at something like that season and just the little things and obviously the, the, Brian mentions the defence you know, yeah. we bring in a Jonathan Woodgate that season as well. Oh. People, forget, people forget about that, and he was probably one of the best defenders of his generation, barring barring injuries. You know, you don't you don't go to Real Madrid if you're not a, if you're not a bad centre half. Like, but um, yeah, it's, it, Brian's got a very good point. It's it's yeah. goals win games, but defenses win leagues, and clean sheets win leagues, don't they? If only we'd have got Woodgate in sooner and kept that guy fully fit, because as you say, there's a reason why uh, Real Madrid bought him. But um, Sylvie, we had to make do with. Uh, well, we all know. <laughs> but uh, Brian, obviously, you got released at the end of was it two thousand and four? I think it was. Um, yeah. Did you know it was coming, or were you still trying to quite determined to earn a new deal, or had you got your heart set up on going elsewhere and laying down first team football? Um, it was a little bit of both. I think um, I was almost at a stage where I kind of. Clipped a kind of contract. Um, it was like one or two games away for you know renewing a contract, 
um, had just went and loaned to Coventry and came back and it was the last maybe four to six weeks of the year or maybe not even as long as that, a couple of weeks maybe. Um, and I knew it was up. Uh, there had been sort of initial talks and then talks kind of stalled a wee bit and I started thinking, you know what, this maybe isn't going to happen here. And and like we've touched on a wee bit there is that, that I was I was starting to become desperate to play first team football. I had I had made my Scotland debut or I was heavily involved in the squad at the time. Um but the the manager who was better involved at the time had said to me, you know, if you really want to, to be in the squads every time then we need you playing first team football more regularly. Um and all these things start to play and you start to go, you know, what they want they want that, they want this and and again, as a younger player, I really should have just said, you know what, I want to, I want to be here and take the challenge on head on. But you start to dreaming further ahead, and you see international caps, and you see everything happening, and and you and you want to see the picture or or the the end game too quickly. Probably, you know, you want you, you strive for things too quickly, and it's certainly something that's helped me in a coaching point of view is try to give the younger boys, you know, be patient. Time comes, just be prepared all the time because you never know, and, and exactly. My situation uh, for that Liverpool game is, I didn't know it was going to come. I was sitting in the house for, for Christmas dinner, and, and three days later, I've turned with the first team and been told that I'm going to um, I'm going to be starting against Liverpool, and, and that shows you how quickly things can turn from from kind of being told that the first team squad you're not required at the minute to, to start the game is it's quite a quick turnaround in a couple of days, and, and that's as I say something I'll I'll continue to coach the younger players now is. Opportunities are around the corner, even though they, they seem to be miles away. Then, 100%. 100%. Well, let's talk a little bit about the current situation at Newcastle. Steve Bruce is the manager now, and Newcastle sit in 15th place. Brian, 19 points. We've got an FA Cup tie on the horizon against Arsenal, and then Sheffield United away in a couple of days. Um, there's a bit of pressure on Steve Bruce, six games without a win. He did pick up a very, very good point against Liverpool, which which is one more point than I think a lot of Newcastle fans, uh, fans thought they were going to get that day. Um, how do you assess the job he's done, Brian? Because it's it, the fans are asking for a little bit more in terms of the type of football we're watching, but the players that he's got, can he, can he get more out of them, do you think? Uh, I think it's a difficult one. I think it's easy to ask for more, but you've got to work with what you've got with as well at the same time. He's in a real difficult situation. I think, as everybody is, certainly with the pandemic, and, and not having that 60,000 Newcastle support behind you, you know, anybody that tells you that doesn't matter is mild off it because that matters. That mattered in that 2002-2003 season with, with unbelievable talent and, and amazing football players. You know, you still turn to them and look for them as the 12th man to drive you over the line. And, and these players could still be doing with that now. I mean, that that might not get them in the top six in the league, but could certainly propel them a few positions up the league. There's no doubt about that. So, and even teams coming, you know, when you come to that place and see that atmosphere, that must be that must be daunting for some. So, I think I think there's no doubt it's frustrating because of what Newcastle have done in the past and, and the club they are and the size of the club and and what could be could be happening there. I think there's no doubt that everybody wants to see Newcastle move further up the league and get back to the days where you know times were good. But at the minute, with the current players and the current regime, it's it's difficult. It really, really is difficult. Um, I don't think there's any magic wand to wave about and say, well, you know, this has got to sort this tomorrow. It's going to take a bit of time now. Um, want to get it right, you know, sort of higher up off the field and, and finances and who's owning it and what's happening. And then, too, to get, you know, the players on the pitch that are going to 
are going to do the club and the supporters justice to really say to them, you know, we we want to be part of this. And you know, right now, when you look back on it, then it was a lot of British-based, um, English, Welsh, Irish, Scottish players, and and now it's kind of there's a lot of foreign players now. And do they really know what what Newcastle means? You're not not too sure about that, you know. It's a very good question, Sam, isn't it? Do you think, what do you think? It is a very good point, and um, not the first person to make that point either on, on this show. Um, maybe we are missing that. I mean, we've got a spine in the dressing room of that um, squad that got us out of the, the championship. You know, Lascelles, Clark, Darlow, even Shelby, Gale, that runs all through. I mean, it's no coincidence they're all British. Um, I mean, it is a good point. Maybe, I don't know. The, the thing for me, it, what makes me so uncomfortable about it all is just the style of play and how kind of ultra-defensive and um, it's just not really the Newcastle way. I mean, do you think, Brian, that Steve Bruce just needs to let the handbrake off a little bit or is he doing what he can do with the with the players at his disposal? I, th- I think the biggest thing for me is... Um, I think when you bring a manager in, I think they've got to fit into the club's ways, values and, and ideas. And, I, and and there's no getting away from how good a job Steve Bruce has done over his career. He's been an amazing manager, an amazing guy. And what he's done is, you know, I've, I've not done 1% of what Steve Bruce has achieved in the game. But I always think, I see a lot where, where clubs bring in managers that I don't, I'm unsure if they fit in terms of, you know, the way and in and the philosophies that we've been used to, or certainly I was used to at Newcastle when I was there, after coming out with the Kevin Keegan, Kevin Douglas, Ruth Hullet, Bobby Robson era, then after that you're still expecting somebody that wants to go and win games, score goals, create chances, you know, like be relentless going forward. Um, as we touch on, it, it didn't win cups and didn't win leagues, unfortunately, it, it fell short, sort of, or just fell short, but... At the same time, it was exciting. You were second or third in the league. You were in European, you know, ties and, and these things. So, so there's a bit of you know a bit of Steve Bruce plus a wee bit of somebody else could be the perfect blend. But you know who who is the perfect blend there? So you can play in one part and say that we go to attacking and we're not quite good enough at the back, and then on the other hand, we're too defensive. We're not quite good enough up front. So it's just trying to find that right blend, I suppose, that, that's really going to make a difference. But as I touched on there, my, my biggest gripe in football is that I don't think when I, when clubs are bringing in managers, a lot of times it, it's almost like the biggest name available at the time and or, or the easiest name available at the time, depending you know what club it is and where it is, and not the actual name that fits the club's values and and what the fans want and what the you know the club want. It's easy to put a name in place, but do they, do they really want to do what Newcastle want? Do they, will they? Will you bring you back to the? the Keegan and Robson days and, and that's a question I need to answer. Yeah, it's, a, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating point to say the least. And I think finally before we, uh, we'll finish it here, Brian, it's that Newcastle are always kind of looking at is there a potential takeover coming along? Now, obviously, it's not a magic wand. If you get a new takeover, Mike Ashley's gone, Newcastle are going to do much better. But do you think that the club just needs a bit of change at the top, a bit of new direction, a new voice to say, look, we want to do it a little bit differently. We want to try and, you know, maybe resurrect the youth academy because the academy has been neglected for a long time in terms of the infrastructure around it and actual performances on the pitch. We've had some half-decent seasons. We've had some poor seasons. 
And do you think that a change is needed? I think a change at the top, you know, managers, who knows, but in terms of the top, the ownership and stuff needs change. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think Mike Ashley had a little stint up here and it, and it didn't go down too well up here. So I think down there, I think they need somebody in there that, that cares for the club, that really, their Newcastle at heart, that, that's what they want. You know, they want the best for the club. And like I said, from my first day walking in there, that West Ham game, I seen a club that just, everybody loves. They, they, it's almost like, that's where they go, that's their home. That And, and right away, I felt right about it. And I think any any new guy with financial or money that's wanting to go in and own a club, then I don't see why the biggest names in the world aren't coming to try and get into Newcastle to buy it. Because when you go in, you know, you get a feeling right away. It's difficult to know because there's not that support there, so they don't see that. But when when that you know when that opens again and the support in the, in the stadium and you hear the way people speak about the club and, and you walk about the town and, and you see the love for the club, then I think it's a no-brainer for, for a big financial person to go in there and say, I want to be part of something here because the feeling you get and and the, and, and the first person to do that, I'll be loved by them. We, we know that, we've seen it. You know, if you go in there and, and give in back to that support in that club, then you you know, you'll be loved, you'll be you'll be statues outside of it because you'll be a legend forever. And it would be great to see it again because I think more anybody I speak to that's that's been part of the club or, or had any kind of pass with the club would love to see it come back to you know, back to the good old days where exciting times were around the corner. You haven't got a few quid, have you? <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, today and telling us all about your times at Newcastle. I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. Sam, it's, it's been a brilliant 40 minutes or so, hasn't it? Oh, it's always nice to reminisce about that, um, that time in particular because... I mean, by the time this goes out, we'll be out of the FA Cup. <laughs> We'd have lost against <laughs> Arsenal. But, uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, brilliant. I, I love that era so much. Yeah, it's great to uh, reminisce with Brian. Superb. Fantastic. Brian, an absolute pleasure. And all the very best with your coaching aspirations as well. I know, it's, obviously, it's a big uh, a big job for you that you want to take on sooner rather than later and prove new players. So, uh, everybody Newcastle fans, too, like wish you the best for that as well. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. No problem. If you can support this podcast by subscribing to the Green and Wellness Show on Newcastle Fans TV, that would be absolutely brilliant. And if you can leave a review and tell us who you want us to try and get on next, we'll try our best. For myself, Sam Moore, and the former Newcastle midfielder, Brian Kerr, we'll see you all very, very soon. <laughs>